If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. We are live with the completely unnecessary podcast for a Tuesday. What? Tuesday? Tuesday. July 15th, two for Tuesday, 2014, alongside my compadre and very bearded Ian Ferguson. Yeah, it's time for a trim. You realize how much this screwed me up all day today? I kept thinking, you know, I can go to the farmer's market and get something different to eat today because it's podcast day, but it was Tuesday, not Wednesday. I'm Pat Country. Thanks for letting me finish the intro. Hey, whatever. Coming up on the show today, we're talking about uh, kids reacting to Game Boy, which is a pretty cool little uh, Fine Brothers YouTube video. The Thor female taking over soon. We're talking about the scumbag sellers in Plural of the Week, which will be the Oculus pre-order scalpers that are getting shut down, uh, hopefully. Uh, the ethics of being paid for YouTube coverage in a Let's Play or Review. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about wrestling, since we know everyone there loves wrestling out there who listens to the CU podcast. And your, Q, you, your, your Q&A. Yeah. Your cute and a Your cute and your Q&A. Yeah. I don't know why I think I was, was going to say... I, I don't know if I was going to say questions and answers or Q&A. I was, like, I was like in the middle of it. So, Ian, uh, is it okay? It's going all right. No, no. I mean, if we're going to be perfectly honest, because speaking is therapy, so why not? Uh, some I got bad news from home again. When it rains, it fucking pours. This has been a horrible year. This has been a really bad year. And then, to make matters worse, instead of channeling all that negative energy into something positive, I just decided to get drunk all weekend to be sloppy and mouthy and just piss people off. That's not usually a good, good No, way and that's to not that. usually me. So, I, I, uh, the thing is, is the person who, who had affected most, and I'll leave that out of the equation, has already forgiven me. But I, I'm one of those people, I have a very set idea as to who I am and what rules I need to follow to be a person that I want to be. So I am going to spend at least the next three days self-flagellating and then I can probably move on and get over it. Oh, flagellating. Okay. For a second, I, I did, in my head to look up what that meant. Okay, that's probably a good idea. Uh, self-flagellating. Okay. Well, do, you know... It's whipping myself. Yes, yes I know. That was a, that was a, I was going for a masturbation joke there, Ian. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for helping me explain it to everyone. Um, so, so, yeah, use that energy and positive... Output maybe to some side projects if we can. That'd be nice. That our, secret, be. our secret side project would be nice. Um, I was at SGC, yeah, the Screw Attack Gaming Convention. My third one, the second in a row. They went a few years without one. 2010 was the last one until 2013 last year, and uh, I had fun. I had a lot of fun. The arcade was vastly improved over last year. I think I tweeted out I beat WrestleFest. I beat Alien versus Predator. Uh, which is one of the best beat em ups ever. It's very long, too. It, it is People long. People don't realize how long AVP is. It, it's, it's like it's such a perfect beat em up. It's like double the length of a lot of like, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It it's keeps like, going. It's like the going. stages are long, and it's like eight stages long, yeah. I think. You think it ends, and it's like You think like, it wow. ends at five, and then yeah, you go going. in. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's really cool, and it is, it is based mostly on that, that the, the original uh, Dark Horse comic. Uh, to a degree. Yeah. yeah. But perfect. It's a shame it never got poured over. But anyway, I have my panel on Saturday. Um, the turnout, I think the turnout for what it was was fine. I think I had about 70, 75 people. Um, 
I showed off a new Flea Market Madness, which is now online. Flea Market Madness Volume 19 is online. I showed off a portion of Video Game Years 1985, Super Mario Brothers. Um, and I also called Frank live. And I called Ian. Ian, you answered some questions. I did. Uh, I'll, be, I'll be getting that panel up online probably by next week before Comic-Con because, one, I'm exhausted. Two, I leave for Con Bravo tomorrow. By the time you're listening to this, probably on Stitcher, iTunes, or the PunkEffect.com, I'll be out of the country. Uh, so that's good. Constant travel. I love it. It was cool though meeting lots of fans, um, taking lots of pictures. I like uh, retweeting the pictures with everyone. Uh, one guy apologized because it literally took like three minutes because his flash kept going off or wasn't going off and he kept apologizing. And the picture looked fine though. He tweeted it out today. Um, but a lot of people were talking about the podcast. Aww. There's a little buzz going on, Ian. A little Aww, buzz. That's touching. A little buzz. I bought Danny Sullivan's Indie Heat Manual just to get that out of the way for this podcast. So that that was that was bought. I, I was love very happy about I, that. I, I love the I love the idea for the new new podcast pins. I think they're going to be fantastic. I think it's going to be a T-shirt. I think we're going to do Danny Sullivan's T-shirts for the podcast. <laughs> I don't care if we sell until, six, but we're going to do it. He comes knocking at our door yes. demanding money. Yeah, we're going to do that. Um, other than that, though, yeah, I'm tired. We got a packed lineup of stuff going on. We do. Okay. But one of the, one of the, I was going to say, uh, it was cool also just to, uh, basically, it's a meeting up with not just the fans, but all the other people, quote unquote, in the industry, if you call it YouTube an industry. So guys like Gerard the Completions, one of the nicest guys, uh, Pro Jared, Billy and Jay were there, of course. Um, guys even like, uh, like JonTron, who I'm not really totally like, you know, we're not really close, but hell, he, we talked for like 20, 25 minutes Saturday night. He was probably drunk, yeah, but uh, we talked for everything from, um, gangsters in New York, New Jersey, which he's like, Sopranos is his favorite show. I had no idea. I'm not sure why, mm. but we talked about that. He was trying to say, yeah, is it really like that? I said, yeah, you know, I did have distant relatives in the mob, but I even talked to him about the benefits of yoga. So there you go. Nice. So if John Tron starts tweeting about yoga in the future, you have Pat to thank for that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, How nifty. So here we go with the first topic of the CU podcast. This was online this went online uh, a few weeks ago. The 6th. The 6th. The Fine Brothers are a YouTube comedy, I guess, troupe, you can call them, group. And they do a lot of these reaction videos where it's actually a brilliant idea. And I guess they're the guys that, that sort of pioneered it, where they'll get old people or teenagers or kids to sit down and look at something that they wouldn't know what they're looking at. So, for example, they had, like, elders react to, like, twerking videos. So old people probably don't know what the hell twerking is or hadn't seen it. So it gets their, like, honest-to-God reaction. Then they ask questions about it. Or teenage, they ask teenagers about, like, you know, gay marriage or kids about gay marriage, whatever it is. Something that, like, it's, it's cool to get, like, a unique perspective. Yeah. So they, act, they ask these kids about, and these are, like, kids are, like, four to, like, eight years old, about Game Boy. And it was very interesting just seeing their reactions running the gamut from, wow, I feel sorry for you old people that played a Game Boy, to one kid saying, oh, my God, some 13-year-old's like, oh, my God, I bought this, I have this. To another kid who was only like maybe six, saying, "Yeah, I can really see how this this like was cool back then, like appreciating it and realizing what it was, you know, that it's almost you know almost thirty years old, twenty five years old." That was the interesting thing for me when you sent me the topic. I was afraid it was going to be played a little bit too much for the, you know, they don't know what it is last. But mm-hmm. you really run a, a gamut of reactions there, and what's interesting is it kind of mirrors what I see in the store every day, and that's what was interesting to me. Video games aren't like other things. I try to explain this to parents. Kids like games. Kids will go and seek out the history of games on their own because it's something that interests them. So, yes, you did get people who had no idea what it was. 
you know, there was the cute segments where they're putting the cartridges backwards and upside down. Sure. And then you've got the 10-year-old who's like, boom, got it on. I'm playing Tetris, talking about Pokemon and all this stuff and how this is how he plays Pokemon. Like, you know, it, it, it ran everywhere from people who had no idea what it was to people who had a rough idea but would never be caught dead playing it to, like, a couple yeah. of kids who really just, like, they got it. They were in it. And I think that that made the people who were filming it happy. Like, you could hear the people who were filming it get more excited, like, when, like, the kid knows what yeah. he's talking about. There was about. a kid named Sydney who was a 12-year-old uh, kid, and... He said, yeah, I own one of these. Yeah. Like, that was the big one. He totally got it, obviously. There was also this cute girl named Sydney that she can't be more than, like, seven years old. And she sort of understood why it was important, even though she realized mm, yeah. the technology was old. Yes. You know, so that means, like, wow, this is how and why retro gaming is now popular. I tell you, I go to these conventions, I see teenagers, I see 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds that are finding this interesting maybe not the majority but it's going to continue on for at least a while and to me it's not even just retro gaming it's just interesting you know you hear things about school systems and kids getting dumber it's interesting to me to see a child no more than six or seven just look at something you know look at it turned on and use you know cognitive thought and logic to be like okay so this is how we proceeded we would not probably have this without this even though they really had no interest in the item itself they realized that it was because of this item that they do have what they have today when it comes to handheld games or even portable games like a, a number of kids we're smart enough to be like, if it wasn't for this, we wouldn't have our 3DSs or our tablets. Tablets kept coming up. Yeah, you know, this exactly. is the predecessor to my tablet. There was a kid, it was adorable. He was like poking the screen. He's like, I can't touch it. I can't touch it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you can't. Well, what's interesting, though, is that the kids, when they started playing Tetris, they all got into it. They showed like they were all like, wow, this is fun. Yeah. You know, the one kid didn't understand it, but there she is. I'm looking at it right now. Sydney playing Tetris. Like, oh, this is cool. Like, it's just, it's really cool to see these kids. It's like, this is how we were when it came out, and we totally got it. Mm hmm. And you now these kids are like bridging back to imagine yourself growing up now with an iPad or or you know phones. I, it always amazes me to see these five year old kids on phones, yeah. like like, and they know exactly how to use what's going on. And we grew up seeing it happen, seeing it go from literally black and white games from Atari Twenty Six Hundred when people still had black and white TVs up until the mid eighties. A lot of people did mm. to getting more color TVs, getting different inputs, getting a zapper, you know, getting an analog joystick. And now they're just doing this with their finger. They're just moving shit around instantly. Well, it blows yeah. me away, too. Is like, you know, playing with my brother, playing with my neighborhood friends. You know, we invented, quote-unquote, this shit, you know, like things like tablets and stuff before they ever came. Because, I, I don't know, you know, I guess maybe it's not so odd then to see these people see how, you know, one thing leads to another. Because, you know, we would make up stuff in our head that's basically an iPhone when we're playing as, as kids. You know, things sure. with, like, maps and, you know, tricorders and telephones and stuff on them. And it's just... It's a natural progression of technology. And I think kids kind of understand that that's where things are going to go. And, of course, you had the one or two kids in this video. I think it was about maybe a dozen kids total that they talked to. And, of course, you had the one or two kids that are like, oh, this is terrible. How could you do it? That's like anything else, though. You always have kids say, like, new movies or any new technology. They don't appreciate it. I appreciate things, mainly because I was always a fan of, like, you know, we used to go to, like, uh, Edison's factory in New Jersey and seeing, like, the old original you know, phonograph from like whatever that was, 1914 or, right. you know what I mean, 1912, and just appreciating the history of it. And so it's, it's just it's just interesting to see the perspective of these kids, like, toy with this, to them, uh, an artifact. What I thought it was cool, too, is uh, one of them also mentioned, uh, she was she was really cool, um, I don't remember the names, but uh, they handed her the magnifier, 
and oh, she puts right. it out and she was very she, she spoke very well and at one point she goes I feel like this was just a way for them to get more money out of you like you know echoing exactly I think that, I think that was the Sydney, Sydney. Yeah, yeah it's probably Sydney it, you know echoing swallowed. the things that we say now about DLC but like all these add-ons she's like this is just another way to get money out of you you know with the battery packs and the churches yeah, yeah, and all yeah. this crap and I'm like you are awesome like yes. you totally you may not care about this but you get it yes so I thought that was a lot of fun. So yeah, check out the video. I'm sure I'll link it uh, below one if you're watching this on the YouTube's. And yeah, it's just a fun video. It's like it's good seeing stuff like this that sort sort of gets an unbiased view of kids looking back. Yeah, it's interesting. So big one was dropped. I think it was today or yesterday. Um, so basically, they're going to be starting a new arc in Thor. Will it be an arc or will it be permanent? Well, who knows? But it's I mean it's an arc one way or another. Um, at the very least. And we don't know how yet, but somehow current Thor, uh, Dr. Donald Blake. Yeah. Donald Blake is going to drop the hammer and someone else is going to pick it up and it's going to be a woman. Well, it sounds like they're going to say that he's no longer fit to hold it. Right. No longer. Well, something wants to happen to his character that he's. No He's one not knows anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So no one knows. So you know they're going to lose the hammer. Now here's the thing: if people don't understand a, a certain bit of history about Thor, at one point in time, Thor was a character, and Thor embodied the powers and everything of Thor. At one point, he upset Odin, and Odin therefore basically stored everything and Jolnir. 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 His his hammer. The hammer that the only, hammer. only Thor could pick up. And, and the line is, you know, it's something along the lines of uh, those who can uh, pick up the hammer will wield the power. If he be, uh, if, if he be worthy. If, if, he, if he be worthy. So anyone can technically be yes. Thor. And I think this is very interesting for a, a number of reasons. You don't. You you still don't have now. I know we just got past the Batman, uh, the Batgirl redesign, but you still don't have a lot of, uh, because we've discussed this triple A, you know, uh, top tier um, comic characters that are women out there, you know, pushing the medium, and I think it's going to be very interesting to see what uh, Thor as a woman does to the storyline. I want to see how I want to see the interaction between. Uh, Avengers members and Captain stuff like America. that. Yeah, I want to see how this goes over. And I personally think it's a good idea. I think the uh, the one promo image, there, well, there's two, but one of the promo images where she's just standing there um, looks amazing. Now, she still has fucking breastplate, breast armor, but it's minimal. It's, it's it's minimal. Well, Thor has armor, doesn't he? Yeah, well, no, but what I'm talking about is boob armor, which doesn't make any sense and would literally well, kill you. Okay, well, that's a, well. They always got to give these heroes big breasts, and when you see no, but this what I'm saying is, is this one's actually fairly downplayed. It's actually downplayed. Yeah, it's fair, it's, 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 I, it's, it's, say, it's fairly downplayed. I was gonna say when you see these female athletes, the ones that are really in shape, the big boxers, yeah, MMA, they don't have huge boobs. Right. They have smaller boobs because they're in shape. shape. But you know, but whatever. The, the design looks good, and I'm. I can't. I'm actually excited to to read it. Like I'm actually. This is something that I will pick up three issues of, and if I like it, I will continue reading it. Um, I can't remember who was it. Head of Marvel or head of the person writing the story um, was receiving uh, already received death threats and uh, uh, wishes of cancer. Oh. oh, wishes of cancer. Wishes of cancer and other Wh- such. Wish cancer. Yeah, other 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 such nice things. And I realize that they're they're changing things around. But here's what what what's interesting to me. Right now, we have two 
we have two hobbies. We have video games and we have comics, and they're both trying to be more inclusive. And if you look at them side by side, comics is doing a much better job of transitioning okay. into this smoothly. Sure. Okay, so in the past, uh, there's been that Beta Ray uh, Bill, I think it was his name, he was like, I looked like an alien dinosaur or whatever he was. I remember, actually, I think I had, no, that's in my top, the top Marvel stories ever told. That issue is in there about how, yes, he falls from Grace Thor, and for whatever reason, uh, Odin looks down upon him and he loses the power for a while. That was one of the instances. From that perspective, this is that's fine. We all know nothing in Marvel Comics is permanent. Nothing is. No. And, and this is why I don't read Marvel Comics. After they killed off Captain America in such a punk-ass way, I was pissed off. Oh. After they portrayed uh, shit like Mr. Fantastic and Iron Man being total assholes in the Civil War, totally against character type... Having Spider-Man reveal his uh, secret identity to the world, which he would never, ever do under any circumstances. And, of course, they retcon that because they realized that was freaking stupid. Stuff like that. Killing off Johnny Storm and then bringing him back within a, a few years. I a just, few years? Was it a few years? Dude, it wasn't even... I don't even think it was a few years. I think it was a few months. It's all meaningless. So... This is interesting as an experiment to see if people people probably buy the first few issues. Well, but but will will they stick around for the year? Because obviously people want the Thor they've known for fifty years. But here's the yeah. cool thing, and this is what I'm hoping that they're not doing, and I don't get the impression that they're. This is them trying to shake things up without relying on the shitty what we've already kill put, off the, kill off characters thing, and then just bringing them back. No, what we're going to do is we're going to find a way probably to disgrace Thor again. And then Thor find a way to have a, a, a right, and then yeah, who knows? But at least we're not fucking shooting Thor in the head, and you know, sure. I, I will say this though, uh, in terms of, of of diversifying and pushing female heroes forward, to me, this is not a good way of doing it. If you want to say this is a change for Thor and it's a uh, controversial, dramatic, that's fine. But to just uh, put the female superhero in the male character's sort of body persona. That to me, that doesn't do anything for sort of diversification. That's just a, that's like having like Batgirl or Spider Woman, or you know what I mean. It's not a whole new character that's gonna live and breathe with its own powers on her own or, own origin. To me, it's a cheap trick. To, to, to from that perspective, I still think it's interesting. I but don't, I'm, but I'm not like rah rah. This is girl power because it's to me, it's like no, because you know it's, I, mean? it's, it, I don't think it is either, and that's why I like what they're that's doing. That's why you do like it. That's so why not, I do. You're like not following it. The, the angle of this is good for female, you know, heroes. Well, no, here. I think it is, but they're doing it in a way that is not so obviously pushed. It's not. Okay. They're, they're not. They're not throwing out a new female superhero with her own they're, they're trying what I think I mean just from looking at it they have but it's not a, but it's not a new hero though that's the thing I know it's not yeah what, yeah, what they're doing is they're working a woman into a very interesting and important role through a potentially very interesting story I think that's almost better sure so that's your perspective that's, that's good we'll see what happens it depends on how it's written if it's written like shit, it's going to be shit. Well, that's any comic. Yeah, but, but yeah. you know what I mean? Like you said, it's interesting when Captain America, if he's going to get used to it, all of a sudden he has got he knows Thor for how many years, and all of a sudden it's a woman. But in theory, it's the same character, at least the same nobility, but you know it's not the same person. Yeah. So I, he, has to respe- he has to respect it, but now he has to get used to a woman being it. And, yeah, he's, I, a, and he's an old-fashioned guy from the you know from World War II era. Is he going to adjust right away? Is Thor going to be able to... She's, uh, you know, uh, not Thor. Uh, um, 
um, Tony Stark, he's a womanizer. You know, yeah. is, is he going to be able to see Thor as an equal, or else is he going to see her as someone below him? You know what I mean? I'd that, rather, that's an interesting part. Right. Of it, I'd rather that. see this sort of thing shaken up. I'd rather see these sorts of questions come to light through something that's interesting like this, like finding a new person who's worthy of holding the hammer. Sure. I think that's a very good thing. So, so we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll see how long it lasts. I give it two years. I, I give it. I give it uh, right before that Thor three comes out, which will probably be like two two years. I, I mean, I don't you know. know. I mean, who knows? It depends on how popular. It, I, I give it two trades. I mean, any major shakeup like this can get twelve to twenty four issues out of it. Unless it's really popular, then they'll find a way to have both exist, which doesn't make then any they sense. Find, so. but see, then they then, put themselves in a hole. Then, but see, I mean, then I'm not gonna like it because then it is going to be Thor and she Thor, and then she that's. <laughs> No, but that that's what I don't want. That's why I but, like but, this. But this is the problem about having a character like this become the female version. They've written themselves into a corner before they know how to get out of well, it. Unless because it, you can't have two shoulder <laughs> hammers. You can't. No, you they can't. Get, you can't. And I also don't... It, it, Marvel's not going to find a tasteful way to end this. But I would, tr- <laughs> I, I, I would just love for her to like... I'd love for there to she'll be turn, a good, She'll turn no, evil and lose the hammer. I'd love for there to be a good arc where she does something and she's happy with it. And that, I mean, if, if they're going to bring old Thor back then the hammer goes down and she fades out unless they need something they don't need to I don't like like, like I already said I don't want that dichotomy I don't I don't want Thor and she Thor I want there to be Thor and if this works then let them run with it as long as they're going to and if it's not going to work or they're going to bring old Thor back you can even keep her in the story but work her out in a I, decent way I guess it also depends if she's a human if she's an Asgardian like we'll see like where she comes from yeah. if she's an alien alright so it might be interesting. I might actually read a comic or two after, even though I swore off Marvel after killing off Captain America. Yeah, so did Vonnie, and Vonnie would give you a big hug right now, but even Vonnie went back to Marvel for She didn't like things. that either? I saw that I issue. You've never talked to Vonnie about that? No, I never did, because I, I just saw the... Oh, no, Vonnie wanted to kill I saw, Ed Brubaker. I saw the, I saw the screen caps of, of him online actually showing the dead body with the eyes rolled back in the head. I wanted... No, dude, I, you, I felt you, sick to my stomach. You, you, you I, felt, are, you I felt absolutely sick to my stomach. You and I are having the same conversation Vonnie have had. All right, well, times. Vonnie's not in the chat now, but uh, she'll listen to this and want to hug <laughs> yeah. him because, yeah, yeah, absolute bullshit. Anyway, all right, Thor as a female, we'll see what happens. I think it's it's interesting, and, it hope, and like we said, it's not just killing off a character that you're going to bring back in a year. So. Right, it's not just killing off a character, and it's not just taking Spider-Man and saying, she's Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah, no, we've got something different and neat here. All right. So, moving on, we have our... Uh, we have our shit sellers of the week. The scumbag, scumbag <laughs> sellers, sellers of the week, week, week. I don't know that we'll ever, have, we'll always have one, but uh, this story tied in nicely. Um, so Oculus Rift, uh, Oculus, I gotta stop referring to them as one word. Oculus is canceling pre-orders of the Rift to people who are suspected of, the of scalping of the VR headset. Um, uh, people who are suspected of scalping. Uh, there was someone online who basically you know three hundred dollars if you can get in uh will get you a dev unit okay and someone was on ebay trying to scalp theirs because i guess there's a high demand for five grand and the dev community and like the develop like various message boards with developers and coders and such they all raised up kind of in unison to strike this down they're like bullshit and they went to oculus and oculus you know, did all sorts of cross-checking and they said sure. they can't talk about it, but they have ways of knowing. They did all the cross-checking and bink, they canceled this pre-order and got his account shut down and they're in the process of looking at a bunch more because Good. apparently this is a problem. Um, yeah, that's that's dog shit. I mean, 
it's 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 one thing to do it on its own. I mean, just with any item to do something like that. Well, this is a dev kit, but too. This is, yeah, but this is something that needs to be in the hands of. Dude, we're talking. We're we're in an era where indie games are very big. Okay, where where a lot of people are pulling themselves up and making names for themselves right now. A lot of people who are coming up now are going to be tomorrow's bigger companies, hopefully mm-hmm. with more ethics and morals. And what these people need is they need the technology in their hands for the reasonable price that Oculus is offering it so they can develop their their, their software and kind of get a foothold in this market because you know VR is still relatively new and they need to learn. So that's what these developer kits are for. So for someone to put 300 down and look at it as a cheap money-making opportunity... It's just gross. It's 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 fucking disgusting. You know there. Are, I mean, I mean, I mean, developers need these sorts of things to thrive. They need the early access. It's why it's called a developer's dev kit. So I mean, scalping is pretty disgusting. There's laws in every state about scalping tickets. You can no longer do it. It's it's against the law. But it's it's for that reason why because it's just it's a distortion of the of the natural marketplace. And, and there is such thing as, as ethics in business. There is. Yeah. With, even with buying and selling. But this happens all the time. This happened with the Wii U so a year and a half ago. People try to buy them a lot of stores. Thankfully, though, the, <laughs> joke, the joke was on those assholes because Nintendo had a lot more in production than the Wii's when the Wii's came out in 2006. And the demand was, was less than the, than the, 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 uh, the Wii was for the I Wii actually U. gave a guy shit. Um, a guy called me up after the Wii U was launched and was like... And he was trying to play it off like it was something everyone wanted. He's like, yo, I've got four Wii U's brand new. <laughs> brand new. What do you want to give me for those? And I said, oh, not working out how you were hoping it would? And he just, <laughs> he just hung up the phone uh, on me. He just hung up. That's was, like, yeah. um, there would be literally people on eBay that would build a pyramid of their Wii U's. They had literally 20. They'd always have like 16 Deluxe and four Basics. they yeah. do a pyramid. They were trying to get like 400 or 450 for them. They couldn't move them. And you only have 30 days to bring those bad boys back to Target. Yeah. Or else you're just getting <laughs> store credit. So that I can't... I, I was so gleeful... By the second or third week, you would search Target, and you see, wow, there's like forty in stock, or you know what I mean. They're, that that they they took a bath on that. Yeah, but, if anyone wanted to scalp Wii U's, they should have done it when the Mario Kart Eight bundle came out, like yeah, right before E3. Well, I'm sure people did that. But uh, but good on uh, good on Oculus for doing this, and it is within their right yes. to do this. It's definitely within, the, within their right. So people would say, well, they can buy and do whatever they want. Uh, no, no, they don't have I mean, to. You, you are, I mean, you are under certain terms and obligations when you buy these things. This is, this is not out yet. Yeah. You are getting a pre-release piece of equipment that you have to, I'm sure, sign a U, uh, EULA for. And I'm absolutely certain that this is going against that. Sure. And plus, they can cancel anywhere they want anyway, any, any Indiegogo or Kickstarter. They're, oh, yeah. not, they're not on an obligation to send you nope. shit. So... All right, that's it. That's our scumbag, bag, bag, seller, seller, seller of the week, 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 week. It's nice. <laughs> it's nice. It's got a good ring. <laughs> this is this is uh, something that I saw today on Gama Sutra, and this is something that uh, I'm not going to get in trouble for this, but I know people that have been involved with this. I know a lot, I know a lot of people in the YouTube community. Oh, do you? Last players. Do you yes, know I a lot do. of people in the YouTube community? You're in the YouTube community. I'm not Ian. in the YouTube community. But uh, this goes along with any sort of journalistic ethics. We talk about how there's barely any ethics in game journalism. But there's not that many ethics when it comes to reviewing games online. No. There isn't. And this is why. There's a, This was a study done. It was, now it was a small sample size. I think it was like 141 YouTubers that were uh, polled about were they paid to review 
uh, or play games for developers or publishers. Let me get this out of the way first, too, because I don't think this is a bad discussion, but I did take issue of sample size as well. Sure. Um, if you also look at what they they talk about, and Pat will cover this more, the uh, users that were under 5,000 was exponentially far more uh, of that 100 than the users that were sure. over. They, it was like 63. 60-40 or something like yeah, that. It, it was it was skewed. It, was, anyway. it wasn't a good sample size. If you're going to do something like this, you need probably like a thousand. Yeah. You know, I know a little bit about statistics and there's, there's an expression, there's lies, there's damn lies, and there's statistics. Statistics, yeah. you can tell whatever story you basically want. But, but the story behind it is valid about how there are a lot of things on YouTube, uh, some of the YouTube networks, they are paid by publishers, be it Microsoft or smaller, maybe even indie developers, and they will pay either the um, the content network, say like a Machinima or a Polaris, they will pay them money to say, here's money, pass this money to your guys, review and play the games for us. And you might say, well, what's wrong with that? Here's the problem. Uh, there are laws in place uh, by organizations like the Federal Trade Commission yeah. who are uh, basically, for the most part, do really good work of helping... Uh, consumer rights and advocacy it's not ethical to go about and play and promote a game and review it without letting people know you're being paid to do it because it's false because you don't know if they're being honest when they're reviewing it or they are just giving it a glowing review just because hey i got paid monies here's a game it's basically you're advertising it without letting people know you're advertising when you watch a commercial when you see alex trebek try to hawk insurance it'll say alex trebek paid endorser at the beginning of the commercial for whatever it is it's up front and it's clear it lets you know that this isn't alex trebek walking out of his house and randomly going i like this life insurance right. because that's disingenuous it's false you know there's it's a protection against that against fooling people but the problem is that sort of protection the ftc isn't really looking at youtube right now for that sort of thing they're not looking at youtubers saying go out and see this movie go out and buy this shitty uh, you know, downloadable game that for some reason everyone on our network's playing it this week. We don't know why. We're barely telling you why we're doing it. They're getting paid a lot of money to promote it. Well, and the FTC has even came out and said they don't know really what to do yet with this. This is a new frontier and they don't really know how to handle it. You've got things like reviews, okay? And then you've got things like Let's Plays because that comes up in the article too. They're talking about two different things. They're sure. talking about. You know, personalities who discuss games, reviewers and let's players, and I do feel that it is slightly different. But I think, I think full disclosure needs to be made for for, for both for for, for, for whatever. Um, with a review, it's absolutely more important that you were paid to make the review, for and you a, disclose that, and you disclose that. It, it, you absolutely need to disclose it if you're getting paid to do a Let's Play. I feel like it's less important, though, simply because it's not what people are looking at as a review. But it's still advertising. But it's advertising. Right, no, and that's the difference. But it's the difference between advertising... And promotion. And promotion. Yes. Yes. And, Even though in a Let's Play, you can still get, say this game was good or this game is shit. Right, but that's... I'm just but, saying, but you're saying it's not a professional review. Right, exactly. This is this is basically an advertisement of people sitting around playing the game but not passing a final judgment, whereas someone who actually goes out and tells you to buy the game now in a one-on-one, -on -one, I'm a YouTube personality review, that's where the disclosure absolutely needs to be made. And I think uh, one of the things was, like I said, if you ever see commercials, it's usually on the screen, paid endorser, paid sponsor or a person is not affiliated with the company, whatever else. The problem with, with this is that if these uh, YouTube uh, channels do do this, 
they place it at the very bottom, mm-hmm. and you have to click click more because when you when you go on a YouTube video by default, you only see like the first whatever is five or six lines. You have to click on like show more to see the full thing. So to make you click on that, go all the way to the bottom to see. This is part of a paid promotion for by this developer paying us, but that's not good enough because no one is seeing that. It has to be. It should be in theory, like the commercial on TV. It should be on the video, front and center, well, first thing. I want to. I want to say Michael McWhorter, I believe it is, who spent a month on this uh, article, um, and it's a very good article. You should just go read the whole thing too. But um, he was asking uh, one of the women he was speaking to, and he said, "I need to know, like, in exact terms, what." What needs to happen? And she said, it needs to be absolutely unavoidable. And I have yet to see that on anything on YouTube. Oh, even, no. even even ones that put it prominently in the info section or like, down, you know, off the side. It has to be absolutely unavoidable. And what that means is some people click on a YouTube video from a Twitter link or from a Facebook page and they don't get to see that info. You need or to put, embedded. if exactly. you are getting paid to pump up someone's game, it needs to be fucking right there in at the, the video beginning itself. of your video, I have taken money for this review. I've been paid for for playing this game. X, Y, and Z. We yes. have been paid to play this. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's that's what you need to see on those videos. But again, how are they going to enforce it? They're going to go after. I guess if they really want to, they can go after the bigger YouTube channels that are doing it. Like not just individual, but but whole channels are getting paid to, to promote. I think last, I think last year it was like the Microsoft Summer of. Yeah, 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 with, bullshit yeah, yeah, it was. We talked about when they, that. They're promoting that garbage tur- Ninja Turtles game. So for a full week, you had all these people on YouTube, prominent YouTubers, playing this shitty fucking game all week long. Yeah. You know, and I, I mean, people figured it out, but it was like, they're not saying front and center, we're getting paid a lot of money to play this shitty game. I don't want to make sound like a dick, but really the FTC should probably just make an example of a couple of the bigger names. They will. I think they will. I think they're, here's the thing is that uh, YouTube is so uh, sort of young still, and but these are multi, multi-million dollar companies. Yes. And there's a lot of money getting passed around. Oh, yeah. There's probably just people at the FTC not getting turned on to it yet. You give it a few more years, though. They're gonna. I think they're gonna. They're they're gonna probably clamp down at least. A I think bit. at the rate it's growing, you give them a year, and you're gonna, a year. You, you, you'll see something. It'll no longer be people showing up in YouTube videos, you know, at a drop of a hat, uh, promoting movies out of nowhere. Like, why is this person promoting this movie? Why is this person promoting this game? Not realizing that there's a huge, probably two hundred fifty thousand dollar campaign behind. Well, it, you but know. sometimes, really, I, the other thing though is. Use your intelligence, too. If you've been watching this person forever, mm-hmm. you should be able to sniff out this bullshit. Uh, whoa, this person never has ever expressed any interest in this type of game before, yeah. so why are they playing it all week, you know? Yeah, exactly. So Change there you go. Heart? So I'm sure, I'm sure the first uh, 10 grand I'm offered offer to play uh, Gremlins 2, you know, I'll take it. <laughs> I was going to say Danny Sullivan's in the heat, but I got, too I got offered five bucks to play Tandy Golf the other day. Did you really? No, no. I'm just oh. saying I should have. Yeah, for me, probably. I want Ian's. It was from Screenwave. They sent me an email. That's right, you did Screenwave. Don't deny it. They were, <laughs> they were, they were begging me. They just had, they had, they had multiple. They had five ones. But they that's were not like, Tanny. That's not Tanny themselves, though. They were like, please play. Well, you're right. We not. want Ian's happy handle. <laughs> if you want Ian's happy handle reviews, you let them know on Twitter you just that keep- you want Ian. Hashtag Ian Ian's happy handheld reviews. You just keep yelling into that void. You can see you on the end of that board. In space, no one can hear you scream for Ian's happy handouts. <laughs> oh, man. 
we're already at Q and A because no, man, we're not. We're not. We're not, not at Q and A. No, we're not. Not yet. You want? You want you Sting? Can, you want Sting? sting? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, we're trying to do. So let's talk about Sting in the WWE. Now this was obviously a huge deal when they when they signed him. Probably sometime back in April they signed him. Right. People thought he was going to appear at WrestleMania. People thought he was going to interfere in the Brock Lesnar Undertaker match. Um, this is huge because Sting is the biggest superstar in the modern era never to be in the WWE. There's not even someone that's even a close second to him. That's in North America. They're not counting Japanese wrestlers. Berlin, Berlin. <laughs> Little Alex Wright as, as the Wonder Kid, or when he went to evil Nazi Berlin later on. <laughs> he no, he just played out like goth craft work. That's what, he was. <laughs> that's what it was. Yeah, it was like leather, and he had the foil around his but, nails. But the wall was a pretty cool sort of thug guy. He was actually talented. Remember the wall, the big guy the with the wall him? was not talented. He had some talent. He no. Was- had no talent. All right, for those four people that remember, remember, the wall. remember WCW in the year 2000, they're going to enjoy this conversation. But anyway, the whole point is that um, Sting tweeted the, his first tweet in, in probably a few months uh, last week, and it was for, uh, what was it? 7-14-14, which was Monday for Monday Night Raw. And then he tweeted, you know, the face mask, you know, of his face paint. So, um, what a gross fucking tease. So <laughs> basically, the tease was... It was a 45-second, very extremely well-done commercial um, on Raw that showed Sting. And it was awesome. It had a small little orchestra, probably 20 people, violins, drums. And uh, Sting comes from the rafters. He, he walks through with the bat. And then the everyone playing the instruments turn around. And they all have the Sting face paint on. And then you see Sting standing there. He does a little grimace. It, then it says, you know, Sting coming, but two, two generations of Sting. Yeah. You know, Surfer Sting and Crow Sting. <laughs> at DLC pre-order for WWE 2K15. Which won't be on the Wii U, so fuck them. But, um, so, it was a huge, huge cock tease. Because, they, the, the, at, the, least, the, at least on TV, Michael Cole said this is for the, the video game. In the, the arena, though... They didn't hear that. Right. So if you watched it on Raw, they 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 mic the they mic the cr- crowd noise uh, for it, and I think they raised it as the more got because obviously if you're any fan at all, as soon as you hear the song from the mm-hmm. violin, the first four uh, notes, you'd know what it was and go absolutely ape shit. But they went ape shit when they showed the people turn around with all the, the, the Sting's face, face, and then when they actually see Sting's face on a WWE television, the crowd went fucking ape shit. For that three seconds until it said WWE 2K15. And then they started booing and they quickly cut the commercial. Because it was like, holy shit, here's Sting. Oh, he's just in a video game. And it was just like, oh my god. Yeah, I don't feel like that was good. It wasn't smart because no, if, that was was horrible. A pro- if that was a promo just for Sting, it was perfectly done. It's hard to think of a better Short, promo. Short, sweet, and to the point. Yes. Yep, what a guy. I mean, it, it, was, it was great. But, um... Yeah, I, I just... I don't know. I mean, to, to kind of wrap this, this first part up. So, it, it would have been a great promo. When do you think they're going to bring him in? I mean, what do you think... Well, uh, my, my, ult- my idea for ultimate end goal here is... Because he's 55, and I'm sure he's got a better match. 54, than turning 55. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's been the case for two years. Um, <laughs> obviously, I think it's going to be Taker, him, at, at, a, at a WrestleMania. WrestleMania. You think they'll bring him in around October? No, I think this is what they're going to do. They're, they're trying to space it out. Then again, with the crowd reaction, I'm, I'm not sure. They were Now, they were in Virginia, which is sort of WCW country. A little yes. Bit. Hell, they've, they've had flair on for a, yeah. drunk, a drunk segment. 
um, they're gauging the reaction. I mean, they've been sort of ever since even last fall having him appear even on little things about like they had like the top the top United States and top champions when they were when they were combining the titles they would show like you know Flair Holy Rays and then they show Sting right on Raw even for a little bit yeah just to say ooh people might be like, who's who's Sting then they started putting articles on the website little by little talking about you know Sting a little bit all part of the plan probably to get you know hey Sting we were looking out for you here then they probably said here Sting will do a DVD we'll, we'll put you in the Hall of Fame because he was almost signed supposedly I think he even said he was almost signed like four years ago he was he just didn't like, think they would respect back to character yes. And maybe at the time, without Triple H and the power that he is now, maybe it wouldn't have been. Because Triple H did wonders to get Bruno San Martino back into the fold. I mean, people yeah. thought that would never, ever happen. That Bruno would come back for anything at all related to the company. For a guy who is oftentimes in real life looked at as being evil, he he does... He, he respects the business. Well, he's yeah, he seems pretty good at extending olive branches yeah. when he needs to. So I think what's going to happen is this is more for the young kids for the video game that they're going to get the game whenever they usually come out. What October they usually October. come out? They come out, they play it, they find out. Wow, this is a cool guy. It's, his ring entrance is cool. Then after October, maybe they'll start teasing it. Maybe Rumble. Rumble. Definitely by February when they build up, you know, or March, March to April when they build up to WrestleMania, he'll be there. Yeah. What capacity will he wrestle? He can still wrestle a decent match. He was wrestling decent matches in TNA still. They're kind of hollow, but I mean, he, but he, he can go through the motions better than, say, Taker. Yeah. Obviously, if he has someone to carry him to a good match, it'll be better. Him versus Taker, will that be a pretty match? I don't know. That's more up to Taker to get. Obviously, the thing about wrestling once a year, you think, you think well, you know, he's rested up, but he has ring rust on him if he hasn't yeah. wrestled in a year. It'd probably be better if Taker wrestled, you know, at least even once every month even privately to train to come back versus going against Brock. And then, unfortunately, he basically got a concussion in the match at WrestleMania against Lesnar, it turns out. And then looking awful. He looked awful in that match anyway. Yeah. Like, he definitely, the last two, the last two years against him and... Well, definitely that, but even even the matches against, uh, you know, Shawn Michaels, those two were a lot better than the, than the ones against... At least the last one against Triple H and then CM Punk and then Brock Lesnar. He's definitely dropped off precipitously. Sure. I mean, he's like over 50 now, or almost close to 50, right? 49. So, so yeah, he's dropped off. He's got to use a performance-enhancing, you know, human growth hormone to stay up there, like Barry Bonds hitting homers. He's like 42, hitting 80 homers. But um, I'm excited for Sting. I got chills. It's funny, because I watched it online first, and then when I watched it with the live reaction, I even got more chills, because I'm like, wow. Just seeing, you know what I mean? Imagine if that happened in, like, 98, 99, yeah. how incredible that would be. It was just about the same reaction in the crowd, even though it sounded like they might part of the crowd. Like, it went nuts when you saw his face and he looked good i know he looks at least the the, the face paint can cover up the wrinkles i mean <laughs> at the very least True. he can still do a decent stinger splash i think he can jump hey, well, that's <laughs> the, thing. The, the thing about sting is his what and, about and, sting? and then i'll move his moves his whole move set has never relied it's not intensive no it's it's a reverse ddt it's a splash Scorpion it's a death, death lock, lock. And, and he can do like he can do a, a he does, he, he's done a tombstone pile driver before too so atomic like can, drop stuff like that that's those clothes that's, lines, that's his move set chops yeah yeah he can he he can go so so let's look forward to it the last the, the last thing I'll say on wrestling is just that I was finally happy to see some new content on the network um, Saturday night's main events are now up there Woo! now this is this news is new since our last podcast but like uh, 
almost old at this point, but all the 80s episodes are up there. There's only a few 90s episodes, to my knowledge. All the 80s episodes are up there. It's very cool to have them. Um, Pat, why, I, why is it cool? Well, what's cool about the main, the Saturday night's main event to, to people like... It was once a month on NBC on Pat a Saturday and I, night. was that it was the only time... It, for two, two reasons. One... It's how you got to see mid-carters, okay? In the late 90s, if you got into wrestling in the late 90s, you saw your mid-carters in your first hour of WCW or your first half hour of, of, of Raw. Um, but the Saturday Night Main events would often push a lot of the mid-carters to a higher status. The other thing was, is if you grew up broke or your parents just weren't going to buy you pay-per-views, this was your only time to see a few pay-per-view caliber matches. Yes. And you definitely did get pay-per-view caliber yeah. matches out of these. So you'd see like a, a tag team between Hogan and a partner against, say, King Kong Bundy and someone else or Andre the Giant and someone else. Yeah. Uh, you'd see uh, Ultimate Warrior taking on uh, Rick Rude in a steel cage match. You know, stuff like that. That was like, holy shit. This could be on a pay-per-view. Right. You, know you, I mean? you would... You it was pay-per-view light. It was only an hour, right? Yeah. It was an hour no, it was, it was or an hour and a half. Hour, I think some of them are two, actually. Actually? Okay. Yeah, I think some I know of them are two. The, I, know I, the, I, I think I, most I, of them are somewhere between... They're, they're, they used to come on before Saturday Night Live. Yeah. I know that. Um, the other thing that... It, that it, you know... It, but yeah, it was pay-per-view light because a lot of these ended in DQ. A lot of the sure. bigger matches. A lot of them ended in double count-out or yes. you know, some sort of gimmicky finish that never settled the, the feud. Not all of them, proper, but a Not lot all of them. But still, it was a way when you were young growing up, you were like, shit, Saturday Night yeah. Main Events on. I get to see the big guys. I used to tape it because I wasn't allowed to stay up that late You know, when I'm that young. We used to tape it on VHS. It used to be on the MSG. Actually, uh... Well, actually, we actually would tape MSG house shows in the MSG. We had the MSG, the MSG shows were different. Yeah. Yes, that was totally different. They do they'll do those once a month too, but this was all over the U.S. But anyway, I would tape the the house shows at MSG, but also my dad would tape the main event for me, and that was the best thing to get up that Sunday morning. And instead of watching super uh, prime, no, actually superstars on Saturday morning, instead of watching primetime wrestling or all American wrestling, where it was mostly jobber matches, squash matches, where you see the you know, the upper mid-card, or you see Rick Rude bury someone, or Ultimate Warrior beat someone who was, you know, a job or a local guy who would, wasn't a real wrestler in the Federation. You'd see really good matches. you get excited for it. You had great commentary by, usually with uh, Vince and Ventura, or Heenan on there. It, w- it was fabulous. I just wanted to comment, because, um, yeah, it definitely wasn't every month. Uh, it, it wasn't every month. It was whenever they felt like it. Whatever they want for the main event? Whatever they wanted to for the Saturday Night Main Events. Yeah, I feel cause... though there was like probably like eight or nine a year, though. It was often. No, because they have all of them up there now, and I think there's probably 20 episodes between 85 and 90. You sure? That's it? Okay. But that, I thought, yeah, I thought there was that, more. That's, that's still a pretty decent amount. That's like every three months. Okay, that's not... Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, but yeah, they... they uh, I don't know how many they were. Original run uh, went to 92, and um, I'm trying to find... Glad well, you're correcting me because the one thing wrestling fans are notorious for is making sure you know that shit a hundred percent, or no, you're gonna get called out for it. It is true. You know? It <laughs> is true. the worst with that. They don't allow any little error, even though yeah. you're going off the top of your goddamn head yeah. off of memories from 25 years ago. I'm, uh, I'm not getting a direct number, but yeah, it was. Um, it was running times were 90 minutes. There was 90 minutes. Okay, so they went from 10 to 11:30 usually. I think. Yeah, it was 90 minutes, and uh, it was kind of whenever they wanted to do it. What was interesting about them though is that. They would usually do like the sort of, I guess, biggest match. Like if it was Hogan on there, you'd see him like uh, two thirds through, like probably around the hour mark. Then after that, you'd have one or two lower mid card or mid card matches. Mm-hmm. They kind of went down from there. So it was like maybe that they realized people were going to stay up to eleven thirty. They want to get it yeah. out of the way first. But these are really fun. I don't. They're I, great. I, the last thing I would just say on this topic is 
if you flip on the network and you're out of hour shows, hour long shows to watch, but you don't want to watch another three hour pay per view, these are like the perfect length. They're up there, throwing on, and because of what they are, because of the nature and how they're meant to be consumed and how they're yeah. constructed, you can totally do something else while these things are on. These these make great background noise. If your preferred background noise is uh, beef hitting beef, beef hitting beef, beef cake, beef cake, beef cake hitting uh, the. Great the Hammer Valentine? Yeah. Oh, no, they're partners. <laughs> no, right, yeah. All right. Q&A time on the CU podcast. Do, do, do. We got about 10, 12 questions. We're chugging along. Thanks for thanks for listening. Spread the word. Hashtag CU podcast. Listen on Stitcher, iTunes, thepunkeffect.com. Hashtag Ian's happy handheld reviews. Fuck off. Um, the first question is from GameSack. What do you think of Sega having no plans for Wii U Virtual Console? Where am I to get Sonic 1 and Flicky? I think it's weird because they have supported the 3DS so hard. Um, the 3D uh, releases of their games, the ones that I couldn't shut up about, especially like Space Harrier, Super Hang-On, and uh, Galaxy Force 2, these were all fantastic ports, and from what I understand... They sold decently. Now, I don't know if we're going to get the second run, so maybe not decently enough, but I don't know I, I don't know why Sega would single it out. You would think Virtual Console they they've done so many of the maybe may, they've done so many of these games like they did the the the, the Monster World collection, they did the Toe Jam and Earl on the 360. Huh. These are things that can't be that hard to port over to the Wii U. So why are you not putting them on the Wii U? Is it even I like a, Flicky too. Is it even a port or, or just putting basically the emulator on there? Does this go back to the fact that we always talk about the trouble that the fact that they don't have the 3DS integrated with the Wii U? I mean, if they hadn't integrated the same sort of you know, eShop, it would be no problem. It's possible. But it's just different platforms. Well, it's unfortunate. M2, who's handling a lot of their um, ports now, has been putting a lot of time and effort into them. So I guess maybe if they don't feel like they're going to get that back from the Wii U, but they will from the 3DS, that might be why. But, I mean, a lot of their earlier stuff, like the Sega Vintage Collection stuff was kind of bad, but that stuff I feel like would be easy to port over. So I don't know. I don't know why Sega's doing it. But um, I'm not particularly maybe pleased. Think maybe they think it's not worth their time. There's not enough people with the Wii U that'll care about it. I don't know. Yeah, it's, I mean it's it's bad enough they don't have third party publishers on the system. You're not gonna you're not gonna see, well, you know what you brought up before. You're not gonna see uh, WWE uh, 2K15. Yeah. You're not gonna see GTA 5, which is incredible. And I'm you know? and, and to a large extent, I'm okay with that because I I bought my Wii U knowing I wasn't going to see that. But I'm I'm just surprised Sega's not. Yeah, virtual console stuff seems like it'd be the easiest thing in the world to do. The, the Wii had a ton of virtual console yeah. games, but... Well, oh, well. Next question is from Travis McMillan, 8-Bit Ghost. Hipsters and retro gaming, your thoughts? <laughs> Alright, really, Travis McMillan, I, you were probably a, a good person. Um, this is not me attacking you. I really don't want you to think it is. My question to everyone out there listening is what the fuck does hipster mean anymore it doesn't mean anything it's an insult slung around so fucking often that it has lost any ability to mean anything you're a hipster if you like retro games you're a hipster if you don't like retro games you're a hipster if you like indie rock you're a hipster if you like hip-hop you're a hips here's how my buddy described it okay he said this is the only way i can think of to look at these words anymore if I am afraid that someone is perhaps cooler than me, they're a hipster. And if I think someone is below me, they're a bro. Now, he's joking around, but he feels like that's how people use these words. 
I don't. I mean, what, really, what the fuck? I, if what he wants to know is fake gamers in retro gaming, people who are doing it for the for the image, that's one thing. But hipster doesn't mean shit. I think okay. Without before you throw something at me, I think what he's getting at is this is the this is my connotation of hipster that people get into stuff just because it's not supposed to be cool, but it is cool. And that's what they gravitate towards. So, for example, what he probably means is here's a person that will be walking along and be, oh, wow, it's cool to play Pong. Let's play Pong. When they have no inclination to play Pong ever, just for the fact that it's old and they're not supposed to be into it. In theory, you're not supposed to play games from the 80s and 90s when there's no games. You're not supposed to. So I think it's probably where is the mindset? Is it actually playing because... You want to enjoy these old games, or are you doing it just because it's cool? Because you're not supposed to. No, that's I, probably where he's coming from. I, I get that. that. I get that. Like I said, I, I'm really not trying to rip on him. It's it's, it's just it's, it's this building up anger over this word that to me it sounds like a chicken squawking whenever I hear it. Like it's just it's not. It doesn't is, mean anything. Is that because you've been accused of being a hipster? Oh, I've been accused of being a hipster a billion times. So have you. So has everyone. I've been accused of being a hipster. I've never been accused of being a hipster. Everyone's been. No, no I, I guarantee. I promise you, everyone's been <laughs> accused never, of being a hipster. I've never been. I've been called a lunk one time. <laughs> to I definitely get accused of being a hipster. I just, I like I said, I just don't get it because it doesn't matter what your stance is. I guess to sum it up real quickly, it doesn't really matter what your stance stances on something if you have a particularly strong stance on something that to me these days seems to get labeled as a hipster no no i see i see i, I think that's where, you, where, you, where you're mistaken i don't think it's not the strong i think it's if you're in it just to be in it falsely that's where the label comes in that's where it comes in it's not the strength of your conviction you know i'm not going to be called a hipster because i had all this i'll be called a hipster if all, all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, uh, Pong is awesome. Let's break out the Pong set while my party's over and we'll play Pong just because it's it's cool and old. My other issue with that, though, is games aren't not cool anymore. So you're not getting any again, hipster points. Again, it's the motive. What is the motive behind you liking it? That's right. where but it then, comes but in. Then, but then that's how, it, that's, how, that's how a person who you perceive as doing something needs to be... You need to attack from that angle. Like I'm saying, hipster, I don't think, conf- conveys what you're saying anymore. You don't think so? You think no. It's, so, I, I think it's a word that, like... So someone so someone that goes out and instead of having a, a, their iPhone or iPod with the music, they go out and buy a, a freaking CD disc man just to be retro because they know it's not cool. I mean, they know that it doesn't make any sense to, to walk around with a Walkman anymore. Sure. So they get it just to do that. That can get you called a hipster, but owning an iPhone also gets you called a hipster. You think so? so? Yes. Oh, it does all the time. Owning an Apple product, instant hints. I think maybe label. in 2010, but 2014, that doesn't happen. Because everyone know. has okay, a smartphone. Like I said, I'm, I'm sorry, Travis. I just, I, I, my, my thoughts on people getting into <laughs> gaming... Let's put it this way. My thoughts on people getting into gaming simply for the image is you're getting into the wrong thing for image. I mean, it is getting more popular and it is uh, it, it is less it is less socially stigmatized. Um, but you know, any anyone who thinks they're doing it to score cool points should probably be doing something else. Is it infuriating? Sure, but they're probably harming the hobby less than the person who's hoarding copies of an expensive game and then trying to sell them off and corner the market. A hip, th- this is the thing with a hipster. A hipster, if, if we're talking about 
basically, and I have seen this, if we're talking about the, the, the definition that, that Pat and I have agreed upon, this is the type of person who comes into my store on the weekend, buys a Nintendo, three games, I never see them again until three months later when they come back and they sell it back to me. Mortgage. Okay, And they're not really hurting anything. As a matter of fact, they're spending a minimal amount of money, but they're spending the money. Them and their friends go and have a... I don't know, hopefully they have a good time for a couple of nights, and then they get rid of it three months later when they need beer money. So that's my thought. I don't. Tr- I try not to get super worked up about it. Okay. I do get worked up over that fucking word, though. It's just... It's a, it's a button for me. Uh, speaking of hipsters, this is from uh, Chris Roberts. When is Ian going to meet another Pat the NES Punk video? The people want to know. Never! Oh, it's going to happen. No, it's I not. just need a good idea. How is Chris Roberts a hipster? What's that? No, I mean you. You're, you're oh, me. <laughs> you'll be, you'll be. No, I won't. Ian. No, I won't. No, I won't. I will sooner swim with the fishes than ever be in another video. You'll be in it. You'll be in it. Yeah. 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 Look at the eyes on him. <laughs> uh, this is from at Gutsent Juan. Which other iconic characters could be in Smash Brothers to fully represent the arcade 8 and 60-bit era? Okay, well, you have the obvious ones that were sort of mascots that sort of failed, like Gex. You had Crash Bandicoot. You know. Exactly, that's your face. That's like, well, they were p- pushed as mascots. Yeah, though, but, he's not, but that doesn't even fit arcade 8 or 16-bit era. I know what you're saying, but all right, let's work your way back. I, I, think, I think Dig Dug. Dig Dug, really? Dig Dug has arms and a weapon, at least. Okay. All right. How about Frogger? No. Could Frogger have any attacks? Uh, I don't think so. You can't hop into no, one? He just he can't jump. use his tongue? No? I don't know. You'd have to ask his significant other. <laughs> oh, you're going there? <laughs> Obviously, Simon Belmont would be a, a, an easy one. I think Belmont would be an easy one. I think any. I, I think Ryu is a fairly obvious one. Having actual fighters get in, it's almost a spoil. Like They're, they're actually in fighting games, though. Yeah, true. You'd have, to simplif- kind of... you'd have to simplify them too much. But I, I just think, if we're talking representation... Let's not talk about. Let's not get hardcore technical about this. If we're just talking representation, I think. I think you know Ryu. I think it'd be cool if, if we're going that direction. You have Little Mac in there. What if you got one or two of the other Punch Out guys that are noteworthy? Yeah, but if you kept everything to scale, they'd be half the size of the screen. Which would be funny. <laughs> you would never if, be able to knock if them. If you off. actually got Mike Tyson. But Mike Tyson's punch out in there. How awesome would that be? No. And the final smash no. attack would be just the big uppercut, which destroys you and kills you one one fell swoop. Um, let's see. Let's, okay, let's go backwards. Arcade era. Well, who's who's there that we can put in? We have Pac-Man, which is a great addition, obviously. I do like that, and I already we, ha- we have Don- we have Donkey Kong, obviously, as a big iconic character. You don't like Frogger in there. I just yeah. don't think you could do much with Frogger. Although, then again, I didn't think you could do much with Pac-Man. <laughs> the male, the, they're, they're doing it. The bear from Crystal Castles? What's his name? <laughs> Benny, I think. <laughs> Bentley. 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 Bear. Bentley the Bear. Bentley Bear. Put Bentley the Bear in. Um, Alex Kidd? <laughs> Alex? Yes. You want to put Alex Kidd in there? Yeah, let's put Alex in, Alex Kidd in there. I, I miss Alex Kidd. Hudson. Adventure Highland. Uh, Takahashi. D, uh, whatever. Da, 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 da. Fuck. Hudson boy, whatever, whatever they want to say his name. Oh Master Hudson, we'll just say. Master Hudson. Yeah, well, Master Hudson in. He can do the different the different weapon attacks, obviously. Yeah. The skateboard attack. A uh, bonk. The honeybee could come in. Bonk would be a huge one. Bonks, I think. Uh, bonk would be amazing. I think if they do a Konami, if Konami gets involved, like how Namco is this time eventually, you'll see something in Belmont. I think bonk. Konami's not going to get involved because Konami's a fucking awful company. They can't do anything <laughs> right. Okay. 
All right, but they but they had they had they had solid snake last time. Oh yeah, but I, what I mean, like when we were talking uh, previously about Namco Bandai being involved, I mean they're literally involved in making sure. the game. Konami but just lent Snake they, because because uh, Kojima wanted Snake in the game very badly. Well, that can happen. Simon Belmont, I think Bonk would be an awesome character to represent the Turbo Graphics. I mean, who else are you going to have from Turbo Graphics? No one. No. Keith, you can't say Keith Courage because it's not even because that's not even how what about, the game was based on. How about on Altered anime. Beast guy? You can you can switch him into the Altered Beast guy, <laughs> whatever his name is. <laughs> Ron is from York Wolf. You know, he, he, is from York Wolf. Yeah. He, um, I mean, I mean, who else can we talk Chubby about? Cherub. Chubby, <laughs> he's right there. He's right there. Um, a Battle Toads character. Um, uh, it, uh, yeah. This reminds me of a conversation I had like a decade and a half ago on TSR's NES pit when the first Smash Brothers came out and we just had this huge thread of like all thing. the people we wanted and like the battle toads were on there and all that <laughs> crap. And I'm trying to remember like because obviously sixteen bit was way fresher at the time and I, I'm coming up blank on a lot on 16 of sixteen bit stuff. There's not a lot of sixteen bit sort of franchises that start at sixteen bit. That you can just go that back. Continued. Like yeah, I wanna say Rise Star because I love Rise Star, but no one remembers I mean okay. very few people remember <laughs> Rise Star. Um Made with the Sonic three cap attack guy. You want to go there? No. <laughs> yeah, he's as relevant, you know. Guy, know. G- guy from uh, Lance from Contra. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> you know? I was going to say that. <laughs> I was, no, I was not, looking at Contra. No, Lance, you want Lance? You want the second player? This is one of those uh, segments where people are going to eat us up in the in the uh, comments because because well, we, we can't think off the top of our goddamn heads well, like well, immediately. We can't think about you know uh, Cookie from Panic Restaurant being in there. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, or or uh, uh, Solomon from Solomon's Key or Rygar, you know. <laughs> I think with Namco being in the game, I think, uh, or helping with the game, I think um, any of the uh, more notable Tales characters would have been good, like uh, Stahl from Tales of Destiny would have been a cool addition to the game. Um, you totally could work a character like that into Smash. That It's basically like you could make him... Namco's version of Marth or whatever, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm 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 starting to draw a blank. I really feel like Sonic, Pac-Man, Mega Man. Those are that's like a solid trio. Danny Sullivan. We could put Danny Sullivan in. We could. I didn't. Dude, say imagine it. that his final smash card drops down, <laughs> just across the screen takes everyone out. Well, I always said Excite Bike guy would be funny. He's uh, you can't I, use him as a fighter. He's in there as an assist. You want to put him as a fighter? No. Little arms going. Come on. Can't do that. Come on, really? Well, we're just talking in circles. We're drawing blanks on the, that. The guy in the side pocket cover shooting, <laughs> shooting the nine hole. AJ. AJ can be in the game. AJ, my yeah, friend yeah, AJ. Yeah, yeah, your friend AJ longer. can be in the game with a pool <laughs> stick in a pool game. He doesn't I, really know anything about. I said nine hole, not nine nine ball. Hmm. Nine, nine hole would be interesting. Anyway, thank you for that question. Joe Walker, Space Kappa. Do you think too many people see collections as status symbols and not things to play and enjoy? How much of the retro gaming scene nowadays is about collecting and how much is about playing? Um, in ans- my- I'll go briefly because I'm-, I'm sure Pat will have way more to say on this. Uh, I think that way too many people see their collections as status symbols even if they play and enjoy them. I think too many people get a big bulging boner uh, just because they got something. I get people who come in, and I am nice, but they really want to tell me about like all this rare stuff they got, and it's like, why do you keep telling me? Like, I, I you know, like I, I can tell when it's someone who's excited and someone who's who's trying to show off. Sure, you know, and it drives me nuts because I don't care. You're not impressing everyone when you talk that way. 
You know, like not everyone thinks it's as awesome as you are that you have a little Samson and a Flintstones. Don't care. It's not a new standard having a good collection is having a Flintstones yeah. and a Samson. And then, you know, how much of the retro game scene nowadays is about collecting, how much is about playing. Well, I, I, that's a tough thing to put a number on. I think a lot of people, I am often very negative about this, but I do think a lot of people play. Yes. I don't think some people play enough. But why are you looking like that? I, 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 oh, it was just something in my eyes. My my eyes bulged for a second. It was a, <laughs> a natural reaction. Um, but I, I do think that we talked about this last week, and even I'm guilty of it. So I'm not laying blame anywhere. It's I'm guilty of it too. A lot of us are just buying more than we could possibly play, and it's because good stuff comes out, whether it's old or new. We find something that we've always been looking for, or a game comes out that we've been looking forward to, and fuck it, we realize we have 15 games on our back burner. So yeah, being that you answered both questions before I can get to one. Um, oh, I've seen this about status symbols. And unfortunately, this is like the sort of new age collector that gets into it and gets like 800 games within like a year. Do they, do they wear a crystal? I don't know. Like a new but age collector? It's like people, people. I see my conventions and they're like, um, I, I, it's like, I think they actually are, they, they think it's cool. It is cool. But I see it elitists in the hobby yes and i see them on certain websites like nintendo age where they act like if you don't have what i have you're absolute shit that's what i should say it's not that i don't yeah. think it's cool when someone tells me they got a rare game it's when they're acting elitist about it yes that bothers me. they act like well you don't have it so fuck you right so um th- there's a cool thing about having a collection to use it to not just play it but to inform and educate and let people know about the games you have. And the Elitist Collector doesn't do that. The, elite, the Elitist uh, Collector uses it as an extension of their penis. To say, I'm awesome, look what I have. I have the money to shell out money to get a fucking sealed Flintstones Dinosaur Peak. I have the money to go out and get uh, you know multiple copies of this rare game. For whatever stupid fucking reason. And so they sort of hang it over head like, Okay, what now why does that have meaning to me? Because we're in the same hobby, I'm supposed to respect that that you have money to go out and spend it stupidly like that. Like, like why does what? Like, why? Where is that coming from? What is the lady version of an e penis or a collector's penis? Uh, e clit? Is, no, is that what it is? I'm, no, I'm really troubled by the fact that I can't come up with something gender neutral on that. And I, I mean, I don't think anyone wants you know a fucking forearm. Never mind. Just continue. Yeah, I don't know why you just threw me off, but uh, <laughs> um, thanks for adding that, Ian. But, uh, but yeah, there's a whole. It comes from the perspective of like, why are you say telling people that? Now, yeah. Now with you, I do tell you when I get something cool. Right, because I know you're not bragging to me, and I think it's cool that you got. I'm it. not bragging to you that I got like uh, my my Super Mario Brothers swimmies. I just think it's cool. I'm like this is fucking awesome. Yes, it is. I'm not gonna go to the store. So look what I got, Ian. Yeah. I wish you had it. No. Wish you had it. No. Wish you had it, don't you? Oh, don't. But you get people that come in that do stuff like that <laughs> all the time, and and you're like the farthest person from that that you should care. Now, in terms in terms of the retro gaming scene nowadays, about collecting, how much is about playing? I, yeah, it's hard to gauge that. It it really is. I I want to say that more people actually play than collect, because most people are going to go out and get a Nintendo, come in your store, get a Nintendo, and ask, I want these five or six games to play that I love as a kid or whatever. Let me put it this way. I think the reason, one of the reasons I think that is I see a couple of different types of customers and one comes in and buys everything that's expensive or hard to find. That is a collector who's probably not doing a lot of playing. Mm-hmm. Then there's the guy who comes in or I had a, I had a lady come in um, yesterday 
and she's just, she's fucking torn. She doesn't know if she wants Bubble Bobble or what was the other game? It was a shooter. It was like Gradius or something like that. And it's like, these are the people, like, you can tell she was going to go home and play that game because it's not just going on a shelf. She's like, okay, I'm going to spend money on these and I need to make sure I'm buying the one that I want to play tonight. So I can almost tell by shopping habits whether they're, you know, collecting or, or playing more. Elitis, I don't like you. This is from Classics Revisited. What are your thoughts on the Atari 7800? Well, if you watched Video Game Years 1986, you're going to see exactly what that is. Um, it's a shame that the 7800 came out like four years after it should have. You know, or at least three full years after it should have. It should have came out like in 84. You know, at the very... Well, that's two, but my math is off. Whatever. The whole point is it came out too late. If it, if it had come out... Instead of the 5200, it would have dominated because this was like, wow, this was arcade quality graphics. It had a good good, good joystick. That was a natural progression up from the 2600. Not that stupid-ass stop gap in between the 5200. That was right. unnecessary. Um, the 7800, there's no reason to own it. There really isn't. I like the 7800. Not, I, not like I need to own it. I, I, I like it. Like I genuinely like the 5200 because I'm half brain dead. Um <laughs> I like the 7800, not as a machine to play the games that came out on the 7800. I just like the joysticks on it. It's got nice joysticks. It okay. plays 2600 games very well. I will I will refine my statement. There is a reason to own it. Yeah. But not for the 700 <laughs> games. It, it's the best 2600 you'll own. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's lefty friendly. There's like, a, How many 700 games were there? Like 60 only? I don't even think there was that many. I, think, I thought it was 50? like 55 or something. Yeah. And, and what 9% were ones that were just 2600 games that you could even got in the 5200. Yeah, or, or versions of Commando that, I mean, looked like a kid made them out of Legos compared to the <laughs> NES version. So yeah, so it's that weird space that the technology was superior to the 5200, but not, but not even close to the NES. So why would you get it? Like, why would you go for it? You're right. A lot of those games that were like the arcade version, you can get a lot of those arcade games, Pac-Man, Commando. Same year, even. Same year it was released for the 7800. You can get those games on Donkey Kong, you can get them on Nintendo. Yep. Actually, Donkey Kong wasn't on the 7800. But you see what I'm saying, though. It's it's one of those weird things that, again, the 5200, they should have junked that. And that's Atari's detriment. They put out everything that was old hardware. The the 5200 was old hardware. It was an Atari computer. They should have never put that out when they did. The 70, the, the 2600 was basically almost old tech when it came out. It basically almost was the Intellivision was far superior. And then the, the 700 was definitely old tech. They're just putting out to get a profit, you know. Right. It, then the Jaguar was just a disaster. From just a total disaster. So there you go, Atari. We love you, Atari. We love your Denny's promotion. We do, we do love that. <laughs> we do think it's but, great. But your systems, I don't know. <laughs> this is from at Gary Retroblog. What's the nicest thing a customer has ever done for you, Ian? What's the nicest thing you've ever done for a customer? It's tough because by nature of the business, there's only so many. The amount of things that I can do only goes so high, and a customer can really only do so much. You know, um, and not counting customers who have become like really close friends or, for instance, my fiance. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Uh we had one really nice customer once. I only ever saw her once. And she came in and it was be- right before the AC got put into uh the La Mesa store last year and it was like 88 degrees in the store. I mean it was just a freaking scorcher. She was in there. 
She's like, it's hot in here. And Matt and I are like, yep, yep, it's awful. And she's like, no AC. And we're like, not for another week. So she looked around and she wasn't an annoying customer by any means, but she was just like going, she was buying a lot. She's back and forth. She was trying to buy something for her apartment that she wanted to play. She ended up with a Super Nintendo. And uh, she was just like, it's little shit like this that means so much to me. She was like, you guys are awesome. Thanks so much comes back five minutes later and has two king-sized drumsticks and two large Gatorades for us and just leaves them on the counter. And she's like, you guys rock. Thank you so much for doing that sort of thing. And it's usually like little gifts or food or little things like that. Like um, I had a kid who uh, who used to come into the store a lot who would uh, like draw pictures of the outside of Luna video games. Like I always thought that was super cool. Like when a kid would do something like that um, recently, and it's also food related again. And there's this guy who comes into the store and he's really nice. Okay. But his just, his outward appearance is likely to throw a lot of people off. He's balding. He has long gray dreads where the horseshoe starts, you know, he wears kind of tatty clothes. He doesn't like stink. He's not homeless, but he does. He, I mean, but he looks kind of, you know. And he came in and he started asking, you know, Chris and I a bunch of questions. And we're like, oh, this guy's kind of strange. But we were just like really nice to him, right? And we got him the games he was looking at. And he's like, you guys just earned yourselves a new customer. He's like, I really appreciate it. He's like, the people over at GameStop won't give me the time of day. He's like, and uh, yeah, he's like, I've always been a paying customer. So he comes back the next week, buys more games. Next week, we don't see him. We get a call from Cliff, who's working the Mason. He goes, yeah, this guy came in. I don't know if you know him, Gray Dreads or whatever. I go, yeah. He's like, well, he came in. You know those, like, gallon-sized, like, uh, jugs of water? I'm like, mm-hmm. Well, he made you guys some cold tang and brought you some of his homemade <laughs> sandwiches. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, and he's like, I ate one of the sandwiches. He was really proud of the spread. It was a little garlicky. The tang was fine. He's like, unfortunately, I didn't think the sandwich would last in the fridge, so I took the other sandwich home with me and left you the tang. I was like, great, thank you. But I thought that was really cool and really nice. That's awesome. As far as things that I've done for customers, if you are a good customer to me, I will bend over backwards to make sure that you get what you want within reason of of what i can do um i being the general manager i can cut discounts i always try to give my friends reasonable discounts i don't give away the fucking farm but i try to hook people up with stuff um if you work down the street from me and you're cool with me and i do this all the time we're not supposed to hold a game for more than a day i'll hold it a week for you because i know you're good for it um that's that's the nicest thing I've ever done for a customer was starring in one of Pat's videos. That's the that's answer to that thing, question. Which will happen again. <laughs> so yeah, there we go. You will be brought back from prison, or whatever you're going to escape from in the storyline. <laughs> after after Frank knocked you out. <sighs> Kyle Greentainer, KG not reading all them T's. Pat, any suggestions for storage of game collections, i.e. waterproof containers, storage units under the bed, etc.? Well, are you in a place that can easily be flooded? If not, I mean, it's always nice to have those nice Tupperwares. They sell those big tubs that are like three and a half, four feet, three and a half feet deep. Or they sell those longer ones that could fit under a bed. Those are nice. I just use, I use boxes. I use, uh, fortunately, I'm lucky that uh, the place where I get my DVDs uh, from printed for Pat Dane's Punk DVDs, volume one and two and three now available. Um, they come in these perfect like the, the the double cardboard, like the heavy cardboard, so they don't get damaged, and they fit NES games perfectly, so they'll line up perfectly. Or 
because it's the same exact height as, as a um, DVD if you stack it on its side. Oh, okay. And stacked across, they fit them perfectly. But they also fit, you know, N64, nicely or Super Nintendo if you stack them like twice, you know. So, nice cardboard box is fine. As long as the boxes are, you know, you, they're, they're like um, wider versus taller. So you can see the games when you open up the box. But if you're storing them in a, in a, in a garage or a storage, uh, you know, a storage unit, I would recommend a Tupperware that's airtight and waterproof. I would, sure. if, if you have to. Fortunately, we don't live in a place where there's a lot of flooding, so I don't, and I don't have the games on, on ground anyway. Even my, all those box NES games I can't fit, they're in Tupperwares, so I don't think the flood would happen unless we got a tsunami. And if that's the case, I, that's at least my concern. Yeah, my right. Games. <laughs> right, exactly. I do have a list of games I think I should bring up. I should have a list of games in an emergency if there's a fire, like the 20 games I'd have to get and get out. I really should have a, like an emergency game list. You know, like getting a magical chase, getting the Flintstones, little Samson, getting the getting the M8, M82, and lugging those out because I would do that and risk my life. You know, I still subscribe to the piles system. The pile system. The piles system is a good way to organize the untidy all your games. Pile system. Piles. Uh, this one's from Andrew Buffenmeyer at Buff nine eight five. Is it wrong to buy games at flea markets for systems genres you don't collect for and then resell them? I have an answer, but you go. There's a misconception about me when I use the term reseller. People think it's, I, I, it pertains to every single time that you buy a game and sell it, which is not the truth because everyone does it. I've done it. I've sold stuff on forums since probably 2006 yeah. or five. Traded stuff, sold stuff that you come across. The negative connotation of the term reseller is really more of the type of person, the scalping practices, or whatever bad practice, whether they're, they're the people that don't know shit about video games that get into it, like the guy Wario at my local flea market that yeah. uh, I make fun of in my videos, who's a piece of trash and who uh, is dishonest. Um, people that pretend to know more than you when they know absolutely nothing and think they are experts at the matter just because they have a phone to check prices of games they think they're experts at what they're selling when they're absolutely not. <laughs> People that won't give you a break when they know that, hey, you really need this game? Well, fuck you. I'm charging eBay at above for it. Right. Um, people that are just, just not pleasant to deal with. They're just not pleasant. Sure. Not only are you destroying my hobby, you can at least be pleasant about it while you do it. So that's where it comes from the term "quote unquote" reseller. I should really change it to sort of like scalper, more or less. People that people that hoard multiple items or after you know multiple copies of rare games. That's where I'm coming from when I use that term. So with that said, is it wrong to buy games with the market system genres you don't collect for and sell them? What is your motivation and what are your business practices? If you are being honest, if you are being informative, if you are pricing fairly, I. Uh, by and large, they don't have a problem with it. I go to these conventions. Hell, a lot of people make a living off it. I understand that they do. But there are people that I go and buy games from that will give you a deal, give you a break, will work with you on a price. Or there was, like, for example, a guy at SGC that wouldn't even give me, like, 10% off when I was buying games. Like, he, like I was buying a few things. I said, could you go from this price to this price? Which I think was, it was, like, 10 to 15% off. He wouldn't... He laughed at me. He said, well, maybe on Sunday. And it's like... Why? So, so that means you're automatically overpricing games. You're automatically pr uh, pricing your your Splatterhouse uh, two game on Genesis for like forty dollars more than it's going for on eBay, just because you think you can get a sucker on Friday versus on Sunday. The fuck is it going for on eBay now? We sell it for I think forty or thirty. Do you have it that right now? Then I want it if it's in the case. It's not. <laughs> but I, I, it's, I it's going I, for more. Okay. The whole point is is that 
<clears throat> it's how you conduct your business was what it comes down to. For example, the, the Wario guy, um, when I first came out here in 2008, he was totally, I could tell, was a guy that basically got in it because he knew it was a viable business. He had no knowledge of it. Um, he had a binder. A binder of all the games printed out with prices. I still to this day don't know where that came from or what website offered a service to new new video game sellers that would tell you the price of games, which were all overpriced, by the way. And I remember getting a, a bundle of games together. I remember getting about 12 to 15 games. And back then, I still needed games. I didn't complete my collection until early 2010. Uh, so I still probably needed maybe 100 games at the time, maybe 120. You know, there, there were games r- running the range from uncommon games to games. I think one that sticks out in my mind is the Metroid Classic series with a different label. And I made him an offer that, was it below what he wanted for them? Y- yes, it was uh, below that. But he had such these overinflated prices to begin with, and he basically took the games out of my hand and said, no, thank you, and then like just totally disrespectful to begin with. I'm just like, you could have, if, if you met me even close to halfway, I could have been your customer, you know, for life and we could have been cool versus now you're a piece of shit and I'm going to make fun of you. My flea market madness videos I'm going to make years later. Okay. You know, that's basically what it comes down to. If I met so, you in an alley, I would have headbutted you. Uh, so, so basically, <laughs> that's what it comes down to. What's your motivation? Are you a douchey seller or not? Are you one of these assholes that goes out? And tries to buy six or seven copies of other games on eBay just so you can have them all and price them all up? Are you intentionally bidding up games that you have no desire to collect for yourself just so you can quote unquote protect the value of the price? All right. Which makes no right. goddamn all right. sense at all. You've answered it. Which, which is stuff that's illegal it. in the Federal Trade Commission. It's illegal for stock practices. There's terms for these only games. And now, that's, what it, that's the reseller I don't like. Otherwise, have a ball. Go out. Buy goal two if you see it for ten bucks and sell it for whatever. I don't, don't give a shit. I've uh, my answer to that. <laughs> Anyways, is uh, I think it's fine within within the community. I know a lot of people who do that who will. They may be collecting primarily for say NES or Game Boy, but they're at a flea market and they say a really good lot of Genesis games, and they'll use them as trade fodder. Sure, I don't care about that. I have a guy who comes in about once a month after hitting all the flea markets, and he brings me all the stuff he got really, really good deals on because I'm going to give him more in credit for it than he would get, you know, than he paid in cash, and then he up trades for you know better games. So like that. That sort of stuff I'm fine on. I, the, the extreme cases that Pat was getting loud about, no, I, I yeah, th- that's all BS and horse hockey. There you go. Okay. So when people say, well, no, Pat, I've seen you sell a game out of... Yes, I have. But I price them below everyone else's price, and I price them below eBay prices. And you know what still happens when I do that? You have all the other sellers at the convention try to buy me out before it even opens. That happened at Portland Retro Gaming Expo. That happens at MAGFest. So now I have to like do homework about who's selling games. If I have like a like a Super Smash Brothers or Mario Kart price at twenty bucks, like I've had in the past, or eighteen bucks, when at a convention they're going for forty to fifty, I got to watch out, and make sure they're not bought out by the other sellers yes. to price them up. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, I talked about this with Chris Cole last year. There, unfortunately, that's that's where the, the, the horror comes in, where you cannot even give really dirt-cheap deals all the time, even if you want to, because of this, this, the reseller is going to get it anyway. Get it and price it back up. So it's a weird world we live in now, unfortunately. I've had to explain that customers before as well. I can only... 
Certain games I can only price so low at this point. Whereas it used to be the, the sort of thing where I could sell a copy of Techno Cup Soccer Game for 10 bucks because no one else was going to buy it. No, you can't. Now someone's... No, now if I don't charge proper price, all I'm doing is throwing money away because someone else is going to snag it and flip it. You're going to have someone come into your store, see Techno Cups, Cup Soccer for 10 bucks, go sell it on eBay for what is it, for 30 or 40 bucks. 40 Or whatever bucks. So unfortunately, that's where we live in. So we have to, we, you have to have this line, especially your store, where you, if you give a deal, it now can't be too good a deal, or else it won't be in the store for more than like two hours when, when the resellers come through. That is the fun of retail. Michael B. the Game Genie is our last question for the evening, and it's a goodie. <laughs> what discontinued cereal line would you like to see them bring back? I have two. Not, wait, wait, this isn't an individual store. This is a whole line of cereals? Well, I, I'm going to just go with individual. I, I have two. A hot one and a cold one. There's hot cereals that is an oatmeal? Well, it's, as in oatmeal, yes. Okay, go shoot. Uh, the cold cereal that I would like to see come back is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cereal because it was like checks, but with marshmallows. It was delicious. Okay. I don't think I ever had that one. The hot cereal. Now, who's with me here? Because I don't think anyone else remembers this shit. It was an oatmeal called Undercover Bears. I do remember yes! this. Yes! Yes! And it was fucking awful. It was awesome. It was just oatmeal. And when you terrible. opened the packet, there was nothing terrible about it. It was oatmeal. And when you poured it out, it just looked like oatmeal. Except for the fact if you were, if you looked, there was, there was little, little modules. There was little nuggets coated nuggets in oat. And that, when you added hot water, it dissolved. And there were bears. There were little chewy bears in your oatmeal. Yeah, but the chewy bears tasted like, what, they like raspberry freaking gummy bear sort of consistency no, no, or something? No, no, they were like fruit snack consistency. Yeah, they, they were, were delicious. Terrible. Get that shit out of my oatmeal. You're Get it out. I want qua- I want cream of wheat instant or Quaker oatmeal, damn it. I want maple, <laughs> maple brown sugar or I want apple cinnamon Get those little things out. I hated those. Podcast over. Let me get your walker, Patrick. Even as a kid, I could not stand the gimmicks you try to put in my goddamn oatmeal. Get them out. I never liked the jellies. Oh, the jellies. That was you know, gross. I was turned on to those for like a week as a kid. I'm like, you know what? Getting these nice little syrups no. here. No, give no, that, that, no, that, that tastes like corn syrup. But to me, well, under- of course it was corn syrup. But to me, undercover bears were just my favorite lunchtime snack, but for breakfast. Oh, so that was a, that was a snack that you got... At lunch, I don't remember no, that. No, part. no, 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 no. Fruit snacks are a snack that was popular yes. at lunch. I understand that, but was this brand also a fruit snack or no? Under- no, no. I'm just saying wasn't. I got fruit snacks in my cereal. It's fucking this. How did I, now I know why I was such a chubby kid? I was eating such garbage as a kid. I guess even oatmeal wasn't that healthy as a kid. Cream of wheat was terrible for you. I think I love cream of wheat. Me. Yeah. My mom made up a song about cream and wheat, but I'll tell you sometime about my mom's song about cream of wheat. Okay, I like oatmeal though. Peaches and cream. Peaches and cream. Maple brown sugar. Both of those two. Maple brown sugar is the standard. It's the, now if you had the the Quaker oat one, you get a nice clump of sugar sometime. Like yeah, that's a whole spoonful of brown sugar. Oh man, that's something a seven year old should be eating for breakfast. I live for that. <laughs> now I always I always like the cream of varieties, like cream uh, like the cream of blueberry, the cream of peach, or the cream of uh, whatever. And now for cold cereal, I bring back. They still have cinnamon life, don't they? Yeah. That's what I ate as a kid all the time. Yeah. Unfortunately, I was not allowed to get stuff like eat stuff like uh, cocoa puffs or. Mm, see, that's one of my all-time favorites: cocoa puffs and and and, and lucky or charms. Captain Crunch, I wasn't allowed to. That's or, my or dad's cereal. Captain Crunch with Crunch Berries specifically. <laughs> lucky, I think I got Lucky Charms once as a kid. This is what I loved as a kid: when we go we go on vacation, we get that 
that six pack of the mini cereal boxes, the variety pack. Oh, those are fun. That was like Christmas to me. Yeah. Because I was not allowed to have any of those cereals during the year. Well, and novelty, small things are novel. I mean, that's that's neat. A small box of cereal, and it's a cereal you can't have year round. You'd, you'd have the, your Frosted Flakes. You'd have probably Lucky Charms, I think, in here. You'd have uh, Cocoa Puffs. There'd be one box with Cornelius on it just sitting there until the very end. <laughs> Corn Flakes is sitting there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah. Now, did you do the method where you'd open up and pour the milk into the box, or you actually pour it into the bowl? I poured it into the bowl, but I know you could do it. You could do it in the box. It, it worked. Yeah, it yeah, did work. Those, those were heavily waxed lined. I know. <laughs> I know because I sliced myself on them so many I, times. You like, sliced up on a novelty mini cereal. Wax, box. wax cardboard is like a fucking Ginsu knife. <laughs> I don't think we're ever doing that as a child. We go down to Seaside Heights. And yes, my mom would be, that'd be like our special like mid-year Christmas. Like, wow, I could have a, a shitty cereal as a kid. Otherwise, the rest of the year it was Honey Nut Cheerios, I guess, which was sweet. Uh, uh, cinnamon Toast of Life, which looking back was probably awful to eat as a kid. All sugar, um, and really that's it. See, my mom and my brother loved fruit and fiber, and when they stopped calling it fruit and fiber and tried to give it a less uh, geriatric name, uh, like Blueberry Morning, and you know. <laughs> Blueberry more pe- pecan butterfly kisses like that's the sort of shit they started buying and now like, no. and now I eat uh I'm starting getting the gluten free cereals they actually are pretty good like the panda puffs you, you see those fucking gluten free bullshit it was all proven to be ass garbage it wasn't proving me anything it's the it's good I've I've had gluten free pasta is pretty good well you don't eat it all to begin with so you shouldn't even complain yet I still am fat. <laughs> How does that work? Well, I don't. Well, I don't think drinking the, the Ducatis helps. That's a lot of empty calories. Probably. Eat. I'll get you. We'll do yoga together. I still want to do yoga with you. Yeah, I can do that. So what do you? So you're gonna miss me while I'm gone this week? No. We weekend. We'll do Comic Con. We'll see the AVGN movie next we will. Thursday. That'll be a fun time. The trailer came out. Check out the trailer. Uh, the basically the release trailer is online. It premieres already on Monday at the Egyptian Theater in LA. We're Return of the Jedi. I think uh, Errol Flynn's Robin Hood premiere. That's awesome that they booked that. And then it'll be at Comic-Con next Thursday. It's sold out. If you see me around Comic-Con, see me and Ian and Frank. I think I'll, be, I'll, think I'll hang out with James for most of the time, too. Say hi. You know? I wander for most of the days and just get lost in the big bins of, like, 50% off trade. So, uh, say hi. Just don't, you know, sneak up behind me and yell. Because I'll, I'll jump and fall. Sneak up behind him and yell. Ian's happy handheld reviews. That's what we want. That's what we're going to get. So, we're going to sign off. We'll see you in two Wednesdays from now, when I'll be totally freaking exhausted where I am now after Comic-Con. For Ian Ferguson, my name is Pat Contry. Goodbye. Have a good night and a pleasant tomorrow.